today we're going to be reviewing Fences, Patriot's Day, and Silence, as well as doing some upcoming film talk with some films opening this weekend and getting into some news. So stay tuned. Welcome to The Real Review. Welcome to The Real Review, sponsored by Parametric and Lazy Ape Studios, where you get some of the latest happenings, real thoughts, and perspectives in the world of film and television. I am here with Matt, soon to be that Matt. Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) And who am I, Matt? Well, everybody, I am with Joel, the Sheriff of Cunningham. (laughs) Is that a Robin Hood reference? Absolutely it is. Oh, he's the bad guy. Whatever. (laughs) You're always making me the bad guy here, I feel like. You're such a good guy I'm such a good guy though yeah well welcome everybody to the podcast we are super excited to have you guys here uh matt how are you doing today doing well how about yourself i'm doing pretty good i'm uh adjusting back a little bit I yeah guess you, you just got say. back right i did i got back from jamaica 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 man. man yeah i was filming a project out there super awesome helping with the nonprofit and Unfortunately, didn't get to take part in all the awesome stuff that's been going on with our launch of the podcast and all the wonderful, you know, comments and emails and everything that's going on with that. But I've uh, been really excited to get back and start doing some recording again. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so we wanted to actually take a moment here right at the beginning and just say thank you um, as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you to all the people that have been listening and sending us comments. We've got a lot of people that have had really good responses. Uh, I want to read just a couple of them here real quick. We had uh, one from a person that says, you guys are awesome. Look forward to hearing more. Uh, another one, awesome job on the podcast, dudes. I guess we're dudes right now. On. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed listening to episodes one through three and got a lot out of each of them. That is awesome to hear. Uh, and then I think my favorite so far, in a galaxy not too far away. <laughs> Great job, guys. Nice look back at the movies I've seen and didn't see, but we'll see. <laughs> Nice. So yeah, a lot of great comments and definitely keep those coming. We would love to hear more from you all. Uh, Matt, do you want to update everybody just uh, with the contest that we're doing right now as well? Yeah, definitely. So um, last week, week and a half ago, two weeks ago, um, we, you know, we were able to really tell everybody what's going on with this contest. Uh, we've gotten a, a lot of really good feedback, a lot mm-hmm. of people entering into the contest. Yes. And what the contest is, if you if you haven't heard yet, is um, you have till the end of January, essentially to win a $15 gift card to the movie theater of your choice. Absolutely. Um, and you can do that by subscribing to our channel, uh, writing us a review, and then also sending us an email at realreviewmedia at gmail.com. And we've gotten a lot of feedback on that, but definitely want to encourage you that if you haven't done that, to do it because there's still time to do that. There is. We're going to be running it through the rest of January. So you've got, I think, maybe at this point, by the time we launch this, maybe be a week and a half to two weeks left to enter the contest. Um, it's awesome. Five oh, yeah. fifty dollars Go to see a movie with a friend, girlfriend, loved one, whoever you want to do, Legit. do yep. it with, you know. Um, so we're really excited to be doing that. And um, also just want to remind you guys, um, we love questions. We love comments. Like we stated in the beginning, definitely feel free to send us any questions on anything we cover. You know, if we get something right, we get something wrong. We want to hear either way what you guys It's are okay. We're human. There. We make mistakes. We so. do. Yeah. <laughs> and last reminder, uh, check out our Facebook. If you get a chance, we've got a Facebook page that's set up at facebook.com slash real review media. Um, that's going to be a ton of good stuff on there that Matt seems to post a lot more on to uh, <laughs> news and different things that are going on in the world of film and television. Yeah. If it's something exciting, 
I'll put it on there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So for those of you that are new to the podcast, and maybe this is your first time checking us out, or you're just starting to listen to us, we just want to do a quick reminder of a little bit of our show style and kind of how we run things here. We like to do a little bit of the fan and critic perspective. We like to give you the two sides of the coin and basically combine that into what we call a real review. It's the both sides of the Rotten Tomato score, if you will. Um, so when you're listening to us, you're not getting necessarily the official critic perspective of the guys that get paid the big bucks to make the critic perspectives happen. Right. But we are two guys that love film and media. Both are involved in acting and production and writing. And uh, so we're going to give you the best perspectives that we absolutely can. For sure. Yeah. So with that being said, Matt, uh, how would you like to get us started today? Yeah, totally. So you introduced a concept a couple of shows ago mm-hmm. um, called Critic Corner. Yes. And so this is just something that we talk about, something you know that's that happens in film. Mm-hmm. And we want to explain to you, maybe give you a little bit of a, a lesson of what it is. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm going to take the reins on this one. Oh, going um, for it, man. Yeah, I'm going for it. And the reason why is part of the reason why is it is January, which January happens to be a <laughs> uh, a month in which um, historically uh, studios will will dump terrible films and yes. just kind of like like drop them on a weekend and and to write them off. Yeah, it's basically where films go to die. Yes. Films. <laughs> so what happens yeah. is. In January, there's not a lot to look forward to unless you haven't seen all of the Oscar contenders that came out at the very tail end of you know Correct. the previous year. Yeah. So, thankfully, I've had a lot of opportunities to catch up mm-hmm. on some of the you know previous year's Oscar films. But January is a, is is not only just a a bad month for f- films, but a lot of it is usually like a genre specific horror film, thriller, <laughs> like films, bad horror movies come out in January. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll talk about it later. Like Bye Bye Man is one that comes out this, this coming week or mm-hmm. actually uh, came out this past week. And um, the, the thing that I want to talk about in Critic Corner is a con is the concept of a jump scare. Okay. But okay. So there's a little bit of a twist on it. So a, a typical jump scare is that thing when you're watching a movie and and something out of nowhere comes <laughs> onto the screen, whether it be like a, a crazy person's face or like the killer or something yeah. like their face pops up, scares you. Everybody yeah. in the theater, you like screams. Right. It could be a super loud noise that comes out of nowhere. And, right, right, yeah. right. So, and that's, that's actually part of what I want to talk about mm-hmm. is when it's just a super loud noise yeah. and it's not actually something that's threatening mm-hmm. and it's just like a cat, you know, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. That's called a false jump scare. Right. And those are uh, very frustrating <laughs> because it doesn't help the movie at all. It's just there to help make people scared because there's a loud noise and yeah. a cat comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And, you know, someone like puts a hand on a shoulder and it's, and like the music crescendos right there and it's yeah. just like the guy's friend. Yeah. And it, it's not the killer. It's not like the bad guy or whatever's happening. Right. And false jump scares. And if you go see horror movies in January, I guarantee that you'll see them all over the place. Absolutely. And, and they're frustrating because it's not an actual thing to be scared of. Right. And I, it's kind of like pulling the rug out from under somebody. Right. And it, I think what I would say with this, and totally agree, and not yeah. to take over Critic Corner at right, all, right, but right. Uh, when you see something like that, it always makes me feel like 
can the film not scare me with stuff that it's supposed to be scaring me with? Do you have to set up this false scare in order to actually get me scared? Right. You know, or can you rely on things that are actually part of the scariness of the film to get me scared? It's so frustrating, yeah. but I did see a a great horror movie this last year mm-hmm. that utilizes the jump scare brilliantly. Yeah. Um, I can't actually remember false ones being in it, but uh, Lights Out. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it was scary. <laughs> but like all all the jump scares were effective, and they were effective because it, it actually was something scary that was happening. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that's it. If if you if you go into a movie, you're watching a movie, and something pops out scares you and it's meant to be a scary thing and it's not like i said just a cat then that's that's totally fine and something that that's not like you said gonna pull the rug out from under you be like why did they do that just to like (laughs) you know make my heart skip a beat yeah um but uh so that's the concept of the of the jump scare and the false jump scare and if a movie relies too heavily on that false jump scare it's probably not scary enough on its own and is relying on those loud loud noises <laughs> to scare people <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah so that that's my take on on that i don't know any other thoughts on that Joel no i'm right there with you i think for the most part i would be in complete agreement with you that that's a cheap tactic and i think the people that do that should not do that anymore. So that's it for our critic corner. Let's go ahead and dive right into our reviews. What do you got for us first, Joel? Yeah. So, you know, as we've been talking about, this is a huge season for the kind of Oscar buzz type film. Um, So we're going to be actually talking about a couple films here um, that are potentially going to be doing some heavy damage or positive things during the Oscar season. Right. I think all of them actually have probably good chances yeah. of being in there somewhere. Absolutely. And so the first one we're going to be talking about is a film uh, that's based on a stage play and it's by the title of Fences. Um, and this is directed by Denzel Washington, which is kind of his first breakout that I know of uh, major film cool. that he's directing. It was written by August Wilson, who is actually um, the writer of the stage play originally, um, who Denzel Washington is actually in as well. And it stars Denzel Washington, Viola Davis, and Stephen Henderson. And so this film, uh, the synopsis for this that you can find on IMDb is basically a working class African-American father tries to raise his family in the 1950s while coming to terms with the events of his life. Um, So I watched this film um, about a week ago and went into it. Honestly, I've I've never seen this stage play. I don't really know anything about the characters or what they were doing or the whole plot and story or any of the development. And Really, so with a really open mind, um, I'd heard a lot of good things, but I also know that this is Denzel Washington's kind of first directorial type film, so that could be a mixed bag. I don't even right. really know what his style would be like. Um, and the thing that I would say that really stuck out to me from the very beginning is that this is a film that is based upon a stage play. Right. The very first thing that stuck out to me is before you even see anybody, before you even see anything, you start hearing conversation. Um, the dialogue of this film is like a freight train is kind of the way that I thought of it in my mind. And it literally just hits you from the very get go before you see anything. And then, then it just goes, it takes off and it just like doesn't even stop for like the first almost 25 minutes. It's oh, wow. just like boom, 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 dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. And the people are talking almost right on top of each other. Um, and so... I would say that overall with this film, there was some great overall acting moments. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the story that it told was important. I felt like the story that it had to share about prejudice and overcoming 
um, peop, you know, your own limitations or the limitations that other people want to put on you. Right. Um, the idea of the film is, you know, fences. And it's basically the fences that other people kind of put up for you, the fences that you put up for yourself and your own life, and the things that prevent you from kind of breaking into maybe the next place, the next, maybe the grass is greener type thing or, or something like that. But gotcha. um, the story I felt like was the strong point. The acting for most of the characters was as well the strong point. I felt like the relationship between specifically Denzel Washington and his family, um, his wife, Viola Davis, she nails it in this film. Viola oh, Davis, awesome. um, she just kills it, I think, in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> she is just one of the best acting jobs I've seen in a while, and I really hope that she definitely uh, wins something for this. I think she just nails it. There's a scene where um, basically the story is it's kind of topsy-turvy in the sense that Denzel kind of starts as this fatherly kind of guy, but he's got these prejudices based upon things, you know, racial bias and thing that things that got pushed on him you know, when he was just getting into some, he, he wanted to play baseball. Mm. And so he was getting into baseball and he faced off against some racial bias and it, it kind of ended up with him going um, into a, basically making his life difficult and not being able to get into baseball. He was in jail for a little while and some other elements of his life. So he's got these kind of built in things and he ends up making decisions. This film takes place over the course of a number of years and he ends up making some decisions over the course of, you know, the story where you then get to see the repercussions. And so it kind of starts in this nicer kind of way and then it ends and goes through this kind of rough patch with the characters and their relationships and Denzel's kind of pushing people away. And then it gets to a point where by the end of the story, you've kind of seen the repercussions of people's fences and seen the way that these racial bias have impact people and, you know, religious bias and emotional, you know, preferences and things like that um so in that sense i felt it was great i felt that the relationships and the overall character story arcs were interesting the thing that i really didn't get and i think what helped this film back for me from being like what i would consider probably like one of the best films sort of the year that some people might consider it um it really felt like a stage play and i think it had all the beats and the feel of a stage play you know normally with this Ah. type of a thing it's with a film it's show don't tell with theater as well it's very big and bold and they teach you when you're acting in theater that you're trying to reach the person in the back of the room Mm -hmm. you know so you're trying to go as big and grand as you can whereas with film it's very intimate you know when you get trained and taught of how to shoot a scene for a film it's a very intimate thing it's about an intimate connection between basically usually two people or a couple people unless it's like an action film but if it's a drama it's got to be very close connection and it felt like the beats of this film, even the way that they use the camera and some shots to just jump back and forth from different people with dialogue, it really served to just kind of set up the dialogue and set up the story, but it never really served a deeper purpose. And the, the idea that constantly was going into my head is show, don't tell, show, don't tell. And this film was much more tell yeah. than it was show. Um, there was definitely a couple scenes kind of closer to the middle and after some dramatic tension starts to build where they had some moment there was a moment with Viola Davis when she's in the kitchen and and things like that where they actually did do more of the show don't tell um but it kept me back from saying this was like an amazing film because it felt like it would be an amazing stage play right but it didn't feel like it was an amazing film because huh. I, it, it was basically just people a lot of the film talking about very good and deep subjects but basically just talking yeah you know and when you go when I go to a film I go really to see what I can't, what I can't experience in real life, and what I can't go to a stage and see. I want to see something that's 
bigger than life, that's grander than life. And it, the, the subjects in a way are important. So I'm not trying to, I'm not right, trying to right. attack it on that merit. Um, but really I was just, I was hoping for a bit more, a bit more metaphor, a bit more story with the camera. The camera was very much just served the purpose of everything. So, um, do you have any thoughts on this, Matt? Yeah. You know what? Um, I haven't had a chance to see fence fences mm-hmm. yet. And, um, just looking at it and seeing the marketing for it, it it looks like it's it's positioning itself to be one of those movies that's going to be one of those powerhouse movies to, you know, obliterate what's going on in the in the awards season um, coming up here and uh, and I mean you look at who's in it Denzel Washington you look mm-hmm. at Viola Davis and and what they've done I mean oh my gosh if Denzel Washington is in a movie I am going to be inclined to just want to go see it um, and I still plan on seeing Fences mm-hmm. and I'm curious now with that thought going into it if that's really going to affect my overall um, outlook on what the, what the film is <laughs> if I'm just going to end up liking it more than than uh, than everybody else because I'm going in with this kind of uh, this mindset Mm-hmm. Now of knowing it looks like that, but I can see how that could be an issue depending on the the translation from stage play to to screenplay. Mm-hmm. And you're right, there's there's so much more on, on film that you have to, like you said, show show don't tell. Yeah. And when you're saying it's like a freight train of dialogue, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean it comes at you and it just doesn't stop. I think I actually took a counter. I like restarted the movie and I actually put my timer on and I, and I went and I'm like, I'm going to run this timer out until there's like a actual pause in the dialogue. And I think it ran until about 23 minutes before the first kind of like real pause in dialogue. And so that's, that's difficult in a film because there's so much, you know, with the stage play, generally the sets are pretty simple. I mean, with this kind of a play, I'm imagining it was a lot in a home and kind of a backyard, but you're not really distracted by the environment and by the sounds because you're really focused on the characters. Right on the stage where with this type of thing, it's you're watching these people in a home environment. There's so much to take in. There's so much to see. So it just felt a little almost overwhelming. And I literally would just, I felt like I'm like, just, can you just put a pause here? Just give it a, give it a beat, give it like a natural, right. like, you know, a pause. And when people have conversations, there does tend to be a little bit sometimes of an ebb and a flow in the conversation. And that's definitely something that needed to be a part of this film um, in a much bigger fashion. And, you know, there was even a scene, and I don't want to spoil things too much for people, but there was a scene that comes like kind of close to the center of the film, which I believe, I'm not sure, but what I'm imagining kind of separates Act 1 and Act 2, or would Mac maybe mark the beginning of Act 2, okay. where there's this big reveal of kind of what um, Denzel Washington character has been involved in or doing, and in, in something that he's kind of made a mistake. Right. And it's this big reveal, and... They didn't, uh, the, the problem was is they never showed, so this this reveal involved other important characters that I imagine were very important to, you know, Denzel's character, Troy. They never showed these characters and they never showed how they were involved with them or how this history of them getting connected. And so because you don't really see the characters outside of this relation in the family, you almost get a sense of like, well... I don't really know why that matters. Right. You know what I mean? It's like if you hear a story that a friend just in a real world environment is telling you about somebody you know nothing about, then you're less likely to be interested in that. But if you know all the people involved, yeah. then you're going to take some interest in that. And so I just, at times like that, found myself saying like, could you just give me a little, just give me a taste. And <laughs> yeah. Potentially, you know, this is Denzel's first project. It could have been a budgeting thing. It could have been a shooting thing that maybe they had limitations on what they can do. And I know that they're going to be doing, I believe there's a couple um, stage plays that are part 
of this. It's I believe I've heard it's like a trilogy oh, okay. of stage plays or something like that. And so this was a decent first outing for me. It's it's good enough that I think it would merit you know making more films. Right. But I'm just hoping maybe they improve on the show don't tell elements of the actual movies. So if you were to rate this thing on a scale from one to a hundred, I mean, what do you feel like you'd give it? I'd probably give this one, I think, about an eighty-seven. Oh, okay. Eighty-six, eighty-seven. So it's it's a good film. It's enjoyable. I don't think you necessarily have to see it in theaters. There's not any added sound or benefits to the visuals that you're going to see at home or in a the theater. Um, but it's a good film. It's worth watching when it comes out in rental or Netflix or I'm sure Redbox or something will have it as well. Sweet. Yeah. So that's going to be it for our conversation about fences. Um, Matt, what do we have next for our review segment? Yes. So next, I am very excited to talk about Patriots Day. Ooh. Uh, now, if, if you don't know anything about this, it's it, it's an account of the 2013 Boston Marathon bombing and the aftermath, which includes the citywide manhunt to find the terrorists responsible. Hmm. And um, it's an intense movie. Okay. Um, it stars Mark Wahlberg. Um, you have John Goodman. You have Kevin Bacon. Um, J.K. Simmons in it. <laughs> wow. And there's there's a, there's a lot going on there. But let me just say right off the bat, this is, in my opinion, Mark Wahlberg's best. And if you look back from some of the stuff that he did 10, 15 years ago to now, he is such a different actor now. Mm-hmm. He, his his skill has and talent is just is just gone. You can tell he's been working on it. And there's there's a lot of passion in there in, in this project. And man, okay, so th- there's with with this film in general, it goes through it. It goes through the the morning and the events leading up. But it, in it, I was a little confused at first because there are characters that you follow that you don't understand why you're following these characters. And the film, um, directed by Peter Berg, by the way. And the, the, the film, the way that they tie him into the, to the film later on, uh, these, these characters and their story arcs, it's, it's really incredible. There's a lot of things that happened that happened, you know, in real life and that I had no idea actually had, had happened. Hmm. And so I'm watching this, like, are you serious right now? Like, <laughs> I cannot believe this. I, I did some fact checking too. So I know that Hollywood has the 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 tendency to embellish and to exaggerate. And, right. you know, I want to tell a good story. A little bit of hyperbole, you know. Never <laughs> at all. And so I, I, I did some fact checking. Yeah. And I was just really, really impressed with the way that they put this together. I was heartbroken. I felt the whole gamut of emotions. I felt, <laughs> uh, you know, the heartbreaking, the sense of dread. Um, I think the score, very, very subtle, mm-hmm. but it was done in a way where it, it, it build, built the tension. Kind of like it reminded me of, you know, in the dark night when something bad was about to happen, mm-hmm. it was just quiet and it's just like really slow escalating like, you know, like before the <laughs> yeah. Joker did something crazy. Yeah. It was kind of like that. Not the same thing, but I felt that same sense. Oh, something, something's about to happen right now. And I have no idea what's going to happen. So like a tightening kind of wire that's about to break or, you know. A dam. You it know, wasn't so that, but yes, yeah. the same that same feel. Building tension. Right. And it it was so good. I'm like, oh gosh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Like I I literally felt that. And normally I don't go into uh like an uh, a a movie based off something real, mm-hmm. <laughs> like not knowing what's gonna happen. Like I didn't do a lot of research. I was going in based off of what I remember from what actually happened that day, what I remember reading about, what I remember hearing about on the news and reading about in 
I was going to say on the paper, but it was probably like Google News or something like that. Yeah. Um, but man, it it was it was great. And then at the end, you you did have that sense of 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 you know uh, being a part of what Boston was able to overcome, hmm. and feeling that hope uh, at the end. And it wasn't just all doom and gloom and like leaving you, you know just like totally depressed at the end. And that's not how it was. It gave you that sense of hope at the end. Um, so Peter Berg mm-hmm. and Mark Wahlberg have been doing movies yes. for the last several years or so, uh, namely with Lone Survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the, the same past year, uh, Deepwater Horizon. Yes. Um, and then and then actually Patriot's Day came out at the tail end of 2016 as well. Mm-hmm. And I think the, these two are hitting some sort of like magical stride right now because <laughs> they are they're finding their niche on these like true story events. Yeah. And and they're getting better and better. I think Patriot's Day is probably the best out of what's been happening and yeah. with with these two and I can't I can't recommend it enough. I'm 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 really excited about this. Some of the the negative things I have been hearing about it is is and I understand why it happens is Mark Wahlberg's character is not based on a real character. The the things that he does in the film is actually uh, a combination of a lot of different characters. Yeah. And so he's what's called a composite character who's created to fill in the gaps and to give you a through line to follow somebody throughout the story. Or it right. might just seem more like a documentary rather than an actual movie happening. Right. It would be, and there's controversy from my, we were talking about just in the sense that people feel like, well, you're creating this character right. that didn't actually participate in the events the way that you're portraying that they did. So right. it could potentially hurt. Some of the maybe people feel like it's dishonoring the 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 feel of you know that event or the, what the bad things that happen with that, which can be certainly understandable, yeah. you know. And but I, from my point of view, I thought it brought a lot of heart to the the film, and it did allow you to connect with somebody to take you through the events of that day. Yeah, and I can definitely understand that as well. I I, I see I would see both sides of it. You know, right. you definitely don't want to do something that's going to dishonor the roles of the people that were involved, but at the same time. You know, it's just the practicality, unfortunately, of making a film. You want it to be, if you're going to do like a documentary style thing, then yeah, maybe it would be more about the individuals that are right. doing this. But if you're going to make a film that's kind of a fictionalized version of an actual event, then you're going to need to present that in a certain way to make it more accessible right. to yeah. an audience. And I think as well, it will help, you know, maybe audiences that are outside of the Americas check out the the film and think, okay, well, this is interesting this is wow this is crazy i can't believe that i mean it would allow other audiences maybe in china or wherever else the, p- the film is going to play to be more aware and make the film more accessible to them yeah so i think it's accept it's acceptable for them to basically do something like that yeah yeah definitely yeah. it's 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 an incredible film i i can't recommend it if i mean honestly if i were to give it a, a score mm-hmm. um i would give it a 95 it was wow. it was a really really good well that's great well put together film and in there, there's different filmmaking aspects to it, and and the there are some parts that are hard to look at, but it's not gratuitous, you know, um, and it's handled with a ton of care, and you can tell the way that they piece it all together. You see real life interviews at the end, much yeah. like there was with Deepwater Horizon, mm-hmm. um, with the actual people, yeah, and um, you you just get the sense of wow, they really. They, they're very honoring in the way mm-hmm. that, that they put this film together and it definitely comes through, I feel like. That's great. So this is a film I haven't seen yet. Um, I did see Deepwater Horizon and I thought that was 
a really good film that was a lot better than I thought it right. was going to be. Yeah. And so it was actually surprising how good that I thought the film was overall. One of the big surprises of it for me was Mark Wahlberg. And, you know, he's been a character in a lot of films and <laughs> that's been a kind of a joke for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, they've done spoofs on him so many places, you know, so many different comedy sketches and SNL and um, Andy Samberg. Yeah, Andy Samberg. Yeah, yeah so how do you move for me? But, you know, so I think it's, uh, I think it's been really cool in a way to see him in a way maturing into these bigger, deeper, more dramatic type roles. And I feel like he's doing well with them. Yeah. It'll be cool to see kind of maybe how far he goes with it. You know, I wouldn't necessarily feel that he's in a place yet where you could put like a real dramatic type role of like a, you know, this is still kind of an action film with dramatic elements. Same right. with Deepwater Horizon. I couldn't see him being like their dramatic lead in like a, a film. But, you know, maybe he's getting there. Maybe he's getting to the point where you could take on a film that's that's more like that. I know. I know you haven't seen it, but I will say this. There is there is one scene in particular in mm -hmm. this film. I was like, man, that's Mark Wahlberg. And he's <laughs> crushing it right now in yeah. this really heavy moment. And I think I think we could see some some heavy stuff from him in the in the near future, especially if he's doing stuff like with Peter Berg, you know, just yeah. kind of ongoing for however long, you know. Yeah, it's been a surprise because Peter Berg as well, he's not a director that I knew a lot of until I saw Deep Water, and I actually didn't get a chance to see Lone Survivor, but I did hear some pretty good things about that yeah, as well. Yeah, it is pretty good. So he's been up and coming, and I'm yeah, I'll try and check it out. Sounds yeah, pretty definitely awesome. check it out. Patriots Day, check it. out. Out. So what do we have next, Joel? Yeah, so next we have another film. And this, out of all the films that I think I've watched recently, this is the film that I think had the most potential, well, well the most hype is the best of the way that I would put yeah. it. I mean, this yep. is literally a film that has been in the work for about three decades from a very, very famous director. And most of you probably already know the film that I'm talking about, but I'm talking about a film called Silence. Um, and this film was directed by Martin Scorsese. Or Big Scorsese, name. yes, if Big you will. Name. Um, it yep. stars Andrew Garfield, Adam Driver, and Liam Neeson. And it's based upon a book that was written um, back, I believe, um, let me check the date on that exactly, but um, it was written in 1966. Whoa. Yeah. And so this film was actually in production, at least in the mind of Martin Scorsese, since he read the book originally back in 1989. Wow. And he actually got the rights and acquired the rights to the film in 1990. And the, the basic IMD description of it is two priests travel to Japan in an attempt to locate their mentor and propagate Catholicism. And the film is... So this is this is a difficult film for me to yeah. review. Um I and this is probably gonna get a lot of flack potentially from our <laughs> listeners. We just started getting them and I'm gonna get some flack already, but I am not necessarily what you'd say the biggest Martin Scorsese fan. Um I do like some Martin Scorsese films. There's been definitely projects that he's done and direction that he's done that has just been amazing to me. Um Aviator. Great film. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Casino. Great film. Loved it. One of my favorite films, actually. Um, the, uh, you know, the list kind of goes on. You yeah. can look at all the films that he's directed and been a part of. It's quite the resume, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but then there's other films that he's done where I've kind of been a little, like, eh, maybe not so much. Um, a huge standout one for me that a lot of people liked that I didn't really like was The Departed. Um, mm -hmm. Another one that a lot of people liked that I didn't really like too much was Gangs of New York. 
Um, so, and Wolf of Wall Street was kind of here and there. I think it it served a very specific purpose and message, but at the same time, it's not one of those films that I'm just like, oh yeah, that was a great movie. I just totally want to you know talk all about Wolf of Wall Street. Um, definitely a very controversial film. Had a lot of really crazy stuff in it for sure. And I think this film as well. And again, I'm probably offending a ton of listeners out there, but <laughs> this film probably falls more in the dislike category than it does in the like category. Um, really now, okay, for a number of reasons. So this film, again, was in production for about 30 years, and I believe the contract that he had for financing prevented this film from being done until a bunch of other films had sort of been taken place. And so he had a ton of time to really plan this out, put it together, and because of that, there was definitely aspects of people that were involved that kind of had to switch out in different times, and two big... One big element of the film that I will just say that I that I wasn't a huge fan of was I didn't feel like... The two main characters, which are Adam Driver and Andrew Garfield, I felt like Adam Driver did a great job in the role, but I really felt like um, Andrew Garfield just didn't look as much the role as I felt like he needed to. He really just, he looked, and this is going to sound bad, but he looked kind of like, you know, a model priest, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. And he looked like a young childlike priest that's going through these things and so it was really hard for me to engage with him as a character just because of, and I know it's bad and you should look over that and I think he did an outstanding acting job as far as like both of them did a great job acting the role but because of visually the way they looked it kind of took me out of connecting with them so much um, and there's actually I was reading about this you know originally they had Daniel Day-Lewis and Benicio Del Toro That's who crazy. were going to be signed to play those roles and I think those would have been outstanding choices wow. for those characters um, some other elements of it that kind of just didn't really resonate with me too much um, he used so one thing that can be said about you know Martin Scorsese his, he uses these really intricate type shots i mean the like if you watch even the films that maybe i don't like as much if you look at the way he uses the camera very stylistically a lot of times where he does this kind of like over the top just like he he tends to go from realism to like over the top crazy really quickly mm -hmm. that's kind of his style and and what you kind of expect from a Martin Scorsese film um there've actually been interviews and him talking about how in this film he didn't do that he really wanted to make this kind of a a clean simple not necessarily simple to put together but just not like a lot to it so there was a couple shots where it was kind of like okay yeah i can tell that they kind of thought that shot through and they had a lot more to it but there was definitely a lot of shots where I was just like that just very simple it's just very plain um, right. additionally the score there was very there's pretty much no score to the film there was about there maybe was silence three, yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> and so I, I, I also was doing research on that um, the the, you, the soundtrack, if you will, was kind of the sounds of Japan and you hear like crickets and you hear you know cicada and the trees rustling and things like that which was interesting but um, I think what he was hoping for is that the events that were transpiring on screen would be so emotionally gripping that they would kind of overpower the need for a soundtrack and the need for music to be a part of them. And I just don't feel like... It wasn't the case. Yeah, it was the case, unfortunately, okay. for me. And another element that I think tied into that was the beginning of the story. Um, they start off pretty much right when the journey begins to go to Japan. And... That's in the book from what I've read. That's kind of how the book begins. But the difference between a book and a film is that really in a book, you can it's much easier to kind of connect with the inner monologue and the inner dialogue of a character because you're you're not seeing something visually. You're kind of connecting with their mindset 
that's usually the way books are written. And I believe that the way that this, the book was written was kind of a journal. So it's a very personal type thing. A lot of the book was like the journal of Adam Driver's character. And so it's a very personal type of way of connect to this guy. In the story, you get some of his kind of journal thoughts. He's like writing a letter back to his, you know, the main father that's, you know, been sent them out at the beginning of the film. But you really never got this sense of like where he's coming from with a lot of it. So you know that he's very passionate for his Catholicism and his faith and his yeah. priestly duties, but you don't know what's driving that. You don't know why he's so passionate. You don't know what his conversion experience was like, what brought him to the priesthood, why he wanted to do that so strongly. And it would have, the scenes would have been so much more compelling to me if I had had a chance to connect with them in the beginning and realize, okay, why is he so steadfast in his faith? Why is he so strongly, you know, pushed towards his faith to go to the the extreme lengths where he's being tortured and watching other people be killed and watching them be tortured because yeah. of his faith and everything? Why was he willing to go that far when you don't have that initial understanding of why he has that faith to begin with? It just removes some of that realism and suspense and it's a connecting. character development thing. Yeah. yeah. So that was a big part of it. And then I also, this, and I'll definitely want to stop talking here because I could go on for a real time, <laughs> but um, the film felt like it was a bit too long. And it felt like, unfortunately, they included a lot of content where they could have just simplified some of the cuts and just cut things a little bit differently. The editing actually at a couple of times was a little off for me. Really? Okay. That's, a, that's kind of a, it's a, it's a Martin Scorsese style where he kind of does these things with these jump cuts sometimes where it's kind of like somebody will be like handing somebody something and then he jump cuts to them like reacting with it or like looking at it or like an insert shot type thing. He did this thing a couple times where people were like in the midst of an action then he would jump cut to the action already being done. And it just was very like weird because I was like every other shot and this was part of one of my problems as well is it's a two hour and 40 long minute film. Yeah. And so they would repeat shots or they would show you things and I understand they shot this in like anamorphic and it's this huge grand thing that, you know, they were trying to probably show a lot of the nature and God and nature and things. Yeah. But it, it just came across as like, okay, I've, I don't need to see it. I don't need to see the second time, you know, um, Andrew Garfield's character getting out of the boat to go swim across the water to stand on the beach at the same village that he already did 10 minutes ago. You know, you can literally just show him in the boat and then he's in the village. But they're like, it looks so good on yeah. this film. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, it, it, that's, it frustrated me because it's like if you had spent more time develop, if you'd cut a little of that out and spent a little more time developing the character in the beginning, yeah. then it would have been a lot more interesting for me. So, um, Matt, do you have any thoughts? No. Okay. So I, and I had told this to you earlier. I was like, I was pretty excited. See, yeah. I, I didn't get to see it. I was going to actually go see this with you, but yeah. then I got held up at something <laughs> that I didn't, I didn't actually get, you know, held up, but I, <laughs> I got yeah. held up at a meeting. So yeah. I didn't actually get to go partake in, uh, in, in this event. So I, I'm a little disappointed just yeah. hearing that. Um, I'm still going to see it just like I want to see fences. I feel like I'm a completionist and where I need to be <laughs> seeing everything so I can have a full scope of what's happening. Yeah. Um, especially with, uh, uh, the, the Oscar stuff coming up. So, um, I, I was just excited to see this and I was really high on Andrew Garfield coming off of Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah. And so I'm, I, that was a big thing too. I was like, <laughs> Oh, he's, Oh man, I'm really excited to see this, yeah. you know? And, um, we like, we like Adam Driver. We like we like us some Kylo Ren, and so yeah. we were. It was just something that I thought was was going to be something pretty special. And I heard that a lot of Scorseseisms, uh, it was to a, a minimal degree, Very much, yeah. Um, which which lent itself to the to the film more, probably more so. 
And I was kind of excited to see that because I'm like you with Scorsese. I'm 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 hit or miss as well. I haven't like mm. I'm not like oh my gosh you know Scorsese, <laughs> and where everything I, I I love I'm not like that. So, yeah. um, I'm, I'm a little I'm a little bummed out. But again, I think I think what's gonna happen is you're tempering my expectations a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna go see this thing. Yeah, I'm like oh yeah it wasn't too bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I you know, we'll see. Um, I want definitely want to talk to you about it later after I do get a chance to check it out. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I was reminded by something too, is because, uh, Scorsese has, is very much been, um, doing the, the Peterberg Wahlberg thing for a lot long, uh, a lot longer than they have with yeah. DiCaprio. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was, were there any like fun cameos where like <laughs> Leo shows up? He's like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> no, there was nothing like that. Okay. That might've made it funny or I, I don't know exactly <laughs> okay. what, what that would have done for the film I think it probably would have disconnected you a bit too much from That's the overall would have been distraction yeah distraction <laughs> and I think this is one of those films that he was really aiming for people to take very seriously right. um, the the sad truth of the matter for me is that you know Scorsese makes for an amazing realist you know when he does films like Casino um, in a large sense Shutter Island even though I didn't really like that film but uh, casino, Goodfellas, I you know all, I think it's I mentioned it twice, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he does these types of films where they're very real, you get that sense of like wow, you know even Gangs of New York, his production design on this film, I mean to the nth degree. I heard they even had like plants from they shot it in uh, uh, I don't I, they didn't shoot it in Japan. I'm okay, so they had, like saying, imported stuff. Yeah, so they imported the plants into their production wow. area to actually use actual Japanese plants in the location, even though they didn't have them there. And so the production design and the style and the look was just, although the the blacks, and this is more of a style of the actual cut, they shot it on film, but I felt like the blacks were a little bit too crushed and made for this really, they did the first half in a very dark and kind of somber style. Okay. And I believe that was based upon Baroque paintings and they were trying to make it kind of look like a Baroque painting. But because of that, it came across as being very dark. And then the second half they did, they tried to do, I believe, sort of a Japanese kind of, painting on like a lot of the sliding doors they have there. So kind of a yellowish paper like look. And so the second half kind of ends up being brighter and feeling nicer, but that's more when like the even darker stuff starts to happen for the character. And then the first half is really dark. And so it made for this weird dichotomy between the two kind of parts, but you know, that's all besides the point. (laughs) So, but I think Scorsese does a great job with being real. And I think the realism of the film definitely shines through, shines through, and it is great. It is awesome. The acting, great and awesome. I think yeah. he did a, an amazing job directing them. Although they didn't really sometimes the it, specifically Garfield looked the part for me. Yeah, I think they did a great job acting. I think Liam Neeson. This is one of the best roles I've seen him in. Oh, that's awesome! In a really long time. So there are good things to be said about it. It just it's not anywhere near. I think the hype of you know this is a. This does happen a lot of times. It's a passion project for Martin Scorsese. Yeah, He's right. been working on it for 30 years. It tends to be a lot of times that the passion project just doesn't translate the same way for other people as it does for the director and their desire to kind of make it happen and be awesome, as awesome as they can see it in their head. So overall scale, one to 100, I'd give this film kind of like a B range. 
Okay. I hate to say that. People, again, will probably write us. But yeah, feel free to send us your co- your comments. <laughs> it's all good. RealReviewMedia, gmail.com. Yeah, Attention, absolutely. Joel Cunningham. <laughs> Subject line, I hate you, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, though. It's it's all right. I'm going to check this out, and I definitely want to be able to talk about it, too. So Cool. No so we're going to be moving now from our conversation about reviews into our upcoming film talk. And Matt, we've got a couple different things we're going to be talking about in this section. What did you want to start us off with? Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to talk about some of the, the wide releases that came out this past week because there were some big ones. There were some not so big ones, but um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on some of those that maybe you haven't seen. So okay. we had Silence. We had Patriot's Day, which are mm-hmm. two actually 2016 films that, that were uh, released for you know awards consideration, uh, but went wide okay. uh, this week. Yep. And we have Monster Trucks, Sleepless, and The Bye Bye Man. And um, Joel, Monster Trucks is your favorite one on here. <laughs> Why? Oh my goodness! You know, I just <laughs> love those Monster Trucks. You know, actually, I I the funny thing is, is I when I was living so for a little while, I lived in Nebraska, I lived in a very small town, and one of the biggest things that they had there was the tractor pool. And every <laughs> once in a while, they would actually call in some guy that owned a monster truck and they would pull this monster truck out and it would like do that thing where it like ramps up and it like squashes all the cars and you know I'm this little like seven-year-old kid eight-year-old kid and I'm just freaking out and, <laughs> and even with that being the case I still have no interest absolutely no interest <laughs> to see this film um just to I mean just to look at the release of this film so they've pushed this film back so many times because they're trying to figure out when to release it um that they they literally and they're just throwing it in in January this is one of those films like you talked about in the beginning where they just kind of throw something out in January because it's kind of the best month to do it yep um prime example exactly and so I, I I've heard a, a story I'm not sure this is actually true or not but I believe it was Chris Wedge um he's the director for the film um I believe the concept for the film, which is basically these alien creatures come onto Earth and then they get somehow into car <laughs> engines or and they control. befriend they befriend MacGyver. Right, is what they, they befriend do. this kid Lucas Till, which yeah. I feel bad for him. This is probably going to set his career back so <laughs> far. But um, they befriend him, one of them in particular, and then it gets into this car and it turns into a monster truck. You yep. know, <laughs> yeah. So it's a play off of that, but. Um, I I believe from what I'd understood that the concept actually was his son uh, at one point came to him and said this idea of a film and that was what inspired the whole thing. And (laughs) not that kids can't have great ideas. I mean, they can be very creative, but that's not necessarily the best way to kind of start a film idea from. Right. Um, Maybe if they developed a little further, I just, I've seen the previews for it. I've seen reviews for it and I have just, no interest. So the studio, yes, um, a month or two ago, mm-hmm. um, they actually submitted for like a hundred fifteen million dollar write off. Yes, yes. Before which is before it's <laughs> like a month or two before its release. Which has never been. I don't believe that's ever been done before. <laughs> they actually. So usually they'll at least let the film come out and then they'll submit for basically the losses of the film. Right. So before this film was even released, they were already submitting. Like, yeah, we're not going to make lost. any money on this thing, guys. We're actually going to lose some. So let's go ahead and uh, take care of that now. Yeah. But um, other than that, uh, I mean, we already talked about silence and. Patriots Day, yes. but Sleepless looks like uh, Jamie Foxx uh, doing the Liam Neeson gig as Taken. Yep. Um, bye Bye Man, uh, it looks like um, a terrible horror uh, film coming out, or that had come out this past week, and um, we'll have to see. I haven't, I haven't seen them yet. I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll be interested to see that, but <laughs> I mean, from what you haven't seen, 
what, what do you what do you want to see the most? And, and yeah, I guess yeah. What do you want to see the most? Well, so there's t- there's a couple films that are opening that we haven't you know talked about too much yet. One we did talk about. Actually, I think we did talk about both of them. Um, there's three films that are kind of opening this week. You have uh, Split, The Founder, and then Triple X, Return of Xander Oh Cage. my gosh, I've been waiting for this movie for like ever. We all have been. It's just been, <laughs> we've been eagerly watching the page for the release date. So the the two films out of that that I'm really excited to see are The Founder and Split. I didn't get a chance to really check out. I think I watched a total of about a quarter of the first triple X movie and was just, <laughs> I, saw, I saw it in the theaters with my dad. Oh wow. But it was like 2003 or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I, I was young. <laughs> this was, I mean, so this is when, and we've talked about this before, there's character driven action films right? and those can be some of the best action films that are out there. Um, this is that done wrong. <laughs> this is that done absolutely horribly in the cheesiest, most silly fashion possible. This was like, a Americanized version of, I guess, James Bond, or I don't know exactly what you would put it. It's an espionage type film of, you know, Vin Diesel basically it's going like the and the X Games yeah. meets James Bond. Exactly. So yeah. I I watched a brief snippet of it and I thought Samuel L. Jackson was hilarious in it, but that was like <laughs> it. I'm guessing that was like his predecessor character before he started going in with the Avengers and doing all his character work there. I kind of feel like uh, this triple X movie is going to eventually cross over with the Fast and Furious movies. Oh, there you go. For just the outlandish things that happen and I'm going to ski through the jungle, jump in my (laughs) sweet uh, uh, Challenger and and drive off and and go save the day somewhere. But it it looks like it's trying to market itself as the new Fast and Furious films are marketing themselves as yes. something just com- like a popcorn flick, completely ludicrous and out there. Yeah. But they're they're trying to market it that way. And I don't know if if people are going to buy that. Absolutely. I don't, I, <laughs> I, I think people will watch this just because they like Vin Diesel and they like some of the actors that are attached to it. But, and you know, there's people out there that are going to go, okay, well, it's a movie, it's out, it's in theaters, it's a big action thing, I can go and just turn my mind off. But, the studios, I mean, even television studios now are just getting so desperate to, in a way, find a an ongoing series, something that they can commit to, that they can put money into and get a huge return for a little investment. It's just kind of getting really sad It's all about to the me. franchise. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we even have television shows now that are based upon movie ideas that were really successful that they're spinning into ongoing series. Taken is one of those. <laughs> yeah, Taken. I mean, so it's there's other ones, but it's... So it's just getting kind of ridiculous to me. And I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, I don't want to support this anymore. It's like when you see somebody that just like has a drug issue and <laughs> they keep going back to that drug and you're just like, you're trying to help them and you support them somewhat. But then finally you're just like, I'm done with this. So I will be seeing, I will definitely be seeing as I can help it. Uh, the it comes founder. out. It, it, okay. So triple X comes out and it gets like a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes and we're all blown away. That would be amazing. So let's just hope for the best. Okay? Let's just fingers crossed. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I will be seeing the founder. Um, I will be doing my best to see split. In fact, I've gotten, en- I've heard enough good things at this point to kind of bridge that gap of the bad M. Night Shyamalan films. So I'm going to give I that one a shot. I think he's back, man. I yeah. totally think he's back. I'm hoping he's back. I'm yeah. hoping it's not just one final flash in the pan before he's <laughs> he's completely burnt out, but I'll probably give it a chance. So that, yeah. So that opens this, this coming week. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to it on, on our next show too, because I am actually, uh, I've already got that scheduled. I'm going to see it and uh, super pumped. It's got an 80% right now. Wow. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty great. That for, is. Yeah. For M. Night, right? Yeah, that's pretty great for M. Night. I think that's probably as high as reviewed in quite a while. I know. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about that. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, so no, that's all I got. So the founder, yes, we talked about that. That was in uh, the last episode, so episode four, Split. Uh, we did talk about that in our first episode, yes. uh, James McAvoy. So I think that'll be, um, mm. I'm, I'm excited about that as I am with pretty much everything in life, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, but, they're both two of our most anticipated films of this year. So right. we should, I, I will do my best to get in there and see Split and, and see how it turns out. So that is all for upcoming film talk, Matt. Let's get into, if we can, a couple news items that we've got going on now in the world of film and television. Absolutely. Um, so our last episode, kind of funny, we were, we were all about, okay, this is just speculation. <laughs> so we don't really know what's going to happen. But we give our thoughts on on Woody Harrelson uh, mm-hmm. you know, being eyed for a mentor type role in the young Han Solo film. Yes. Um, it has actually been confirmed Woody Harrelson mm-hmm. is going to be the mentor for the uh, for young Han Solo, <laughs> and um, and he uh, has actually played this part before. He's mm. it's kind of his his uh, Star Wars version of of Hey Mitch is kind of what I'm getting from the Hunger Games. You know yeah. his mentor role there, which I thought he was actually good in. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I already said this last time. I, I think it's I think it's I think it's really great. I I think he's just he can play that shady person just well enough to to you know pass that along to Han Solo being a scoundrel and a nerve herder, and um, I think I think it makes absolute sense. You know. Yeah, I think <laughs> I'm gonna hold my finger. Oh my goodness, I'm gonna hold my fingers crossed that Woody Harrelson will play a very minor role. <laughs> I think overall, I'm not super excited about it. And the other reason for this is because of another rumor. I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I'm hearing apparently that Amelia Clark is also being looked at to play a role. In She's the already film. been cast in the movie. Yeah, something. I don't know what she is. I think I share your hesitation with that. Actually, yeah. So it's giving me this hesitation that like. Well, maybe they don't really know what they're doing with some of the castings here, right. because I, you know, I love Amelia Clark at least for the first couple seasons of Game of Thrones. I thought she did an amazing job in the role. Since then, everything else that I've seen her in, I just really have not enjoyed. Terminator, and, Sega Genesis. Oh man, yeah. we didn't. Yeah, we could do a burn episode of just that film, but <laughs> you know, so I did not think she was very good in that, and I felt like I feel like her acting credits have just not really done very awesome things for me and so if they're gonna cast her and they're gonna cast woody i'm just kind of at this point like what are they doing yeah i don't know i i don't know either because i think i'm on the same page with amelia clark with you so i don't i don't we'll see we'll see time will tell on that one i'm just gonna trust the powers of be at disney to to make the right calls yeah um and we'll see what happens yeah i mean maybe they want a star wars comedy film that's hey yeah you know what (laughs) Um, but also speaking about Disney, just kind of as a whole in, in their Marvel cinematic universe, yes. they are actually, again, I think this is, this is funny cause I'll probably say it's just speculation and a rumor. And then mm-hmm. on next week's episode, <laughs> we'll be like, it's been confirmed. It's, so, it's been confirmed. Right, yeah. So, we should say more things than just turn it. Right. Being you know, maybe yeah. they're listening to us. Maybe they're one of the people that gave us a review. That is likely. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> probably. Thanks yeah. Disney. Thank you for that. Anyways, so uh looks like uh, the MCU is eyeing Peter Dinklage mm-hmm. to um, to have a role in one of the upcoming um, Avengers Infinity War hmm. Infinity War films. 
Um, and I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of his, yeah. um, with the exception of maybe Pixels, mm-hmm. but I think just kind of uh, as a whole that movie, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of funny. But um, so Peter, Dink- okay, so this is what I would say. I I like Peter Dinklage a lot as an actor. I really mm-hmm. like him, especially in Game of Thrones. He's done a couple other movies that I actually liked. Um, the Station Agent, I think I forget the exact name of it, but he's done a couple other movies where I thought he was good. Peter Dinklage to me is not what I would consider a huge character actor. So I think the best Peter Dinklage for me is the one that's kind of a shadow. It's like a, 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 a side of himself. You know, I feel like Peter Dinklage in Game of Thrones is kind of this witty, kind of sarcastic guy that can be kind of funny and smart. So I like him in that role. And I think that that's the kind of character of his that I've seen that I like, but like, Days of Future Past, when I saw him in that, I felt like he kind of didn't really, it was odd. I felt like he was a bit odd in that film. And I thought the same thing with Pixels. I felt like he was, it it came across like a character. Right. Like he was acting like a character. And so I'm a bit concerned as well with this because again, I like him as a real like person. And so if he tries to take on a character, then I'm just, you know, there's some actors out there that can nail that character thing. Johnny Depp, a lot of the times, you know, even though a lot of his films recently I haven't really liked, he's great as a character actor in a lot of films. Yep. Um, Peter Dinklage, I just don't see him like that. So yeah, and I think um, the, your example of Days of Future Past might necessarily not necessarily be his fault. They may have been kind of the the material he was given in that. Yeah. But um, I, I think that he's extremely talented. Um, yeah, and absolutely. I, I think I think you can only you can only it can only be a positive to add talent to something, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, we'll, we'll see what happens with this again. Time will tell. We don't know what the character might be. Um, Avengers Infinity War is slated to have like 67 superheroes in it. It's going to be outrageous. <laughs> like yeah. You thought Civil War was crammed or yeah. any of the other Avengers films. Like this is doubling it and tripling it, you know. Absolutely, so it's going yeah. to be crazy. I don't, I don't know what they'll do. It's hard to imagine anybody getting enough screen time to feel like you're, you're really on board with them fully, mm-hmm. with the exception of the people that we know, like Iron Man, Captain America, and the core group. But yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how they put it together because Infinity War came at a period in Marvel where they had a ton of superheroes that were already substantiated through the all the running comic book series. They'd been around for many numbers of years. So you were building on basically the stories and the threads of all these characters with all these histories, and it turned into this giant thing. So it will be interesting to see how they focus the story, how they get certain characters in there in a certain way with because if you get a chance and you you know you're interested in you're not worried about spoiling anything. Definitely go check out a synopsis of the Infinity Wars, kind of part one, part two, right, yeah. of what that involves and how that all plays out because it's an insane story. Right, right. I mean, the <laughs> yes. things that they go into are just insane, but um, it's really cool. So, yeah, I'm I'm somewhat concerned about it, but again, I'm going to try and do my best to hold out hope for it <laughs> cool. being awesome. Cool, cool. Yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for us today on The Real Review. We just want to remind you here at the end as we're signing off to go ahead and check out our Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Real Review Media. And then additionally, if you have any thoughts, questions, or you do want to enter that contest, we would love to have you do that. Or if you just want to say, hey, you guys are doing an awesome job, we'd love to hear from you. RealReviewMedia at gmail.com is the email address for that. So thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. And subscribe, tell your friends. (laughs) And it's been real. It's been real.